Hello, I'm Blair Lemke. Welcome to Let God Speak. Paul the Apostle was an active missionary who was used by God to raise up and disciple many churches. One city that Paul spent a significant amount of time ministering in was Ephesus. His letter to the Ephesian church contains timely counsel that was not only a blessing for the church in Ephesus, but also for believers today. Our Bible study will reveal this. On our panel today, we have John Cosmeyer and Gail Fong. Welcome. Thank you. As always, let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to study your word. We ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to lead us into truth. Today, as we study, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're beginning a new study series today on the book of Ephesians and looking at Paul and the Apostle Paul's relationship to the book of Ephesians. And so I'd like to start off, Pastor John, by asking you the question, uh, what do we know about Ephesus? Ephesians, Ephesus, the city that uh, the book of Ephesians was written to, what do we know about this city? Ephesus was the name of the fourth largest city in the Roman Empire. And it covered a a huge area um, where there were about 250,000 people. And it covered the area of Asia Minor. And it was a very rich area city because it had uh, access to the ocean and it also had the uh, uh, the trade routes coming through the city of uh, uh, of Ephesus and it was also the center of idol worship a world famous at that time goddess her name was Artemis and that was in the Greek, but she was known by us as Diana. Mm. And uh, she was a great uh, uh, goddess. And it was the, the centre of, of, of worship of both ceremonies and athletic games and annual celebrations. Yeah, so it seems like this was a pretty significant city, uh, had a far wide-reaching influence, and so certainly an important city to be doing evangelism in and to be reaching out. Uh, And we know that Paul spent some considerable time in the city of Ephesus ministering. Uh, Particularly, he visited and uh, he did something on his first, uh, or sorry, his second missionary journey. Uh, What what, what did Paul do in Ephesus on his second missionary journey, Gail? Well, just reading from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 18, and reading verses 18 to 21, the Bible says, So Paul still remained a good while. Then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria, and Priscilla and Aquila were with him. He had his hair cut off at, I think it's Centria, for he had taken a vow. And he came to Ephesus and left them there. But he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews.'" 
When they asked him to stay longer time with them, he did not consent, but took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. So here he preached um, to the Jews in the synagogue right here in Ephesus, and they did ask him to stay longer. So obviously he had a good reception. Yeah, it seemed like this initial experience might have been a good one if they inviting him to stay and to keep talking. That's a good sign. It is a good sign because he didn't have that experience in Corinth. And just earlier in the chapter in verse six, there um, he, he, after he's spoken, I mean, they were opposing him and he, he, sh- he shook his garments and said, your blood be upon your own head. So he was persecuted there and he was opposed. But um, the Jews at Ephesus were initially uh, they were uh, appeared to be open to the gospel. But the, as um, we read there, Paul continued on his journey, but he left Priscilla and Aquila there. And also we find that just straight after those verses that we find that um, Apollos also joined them in the ministry there. And the Bible says that he was from Alexandria. Mm. And he was, uh, the Bible says he was mighty in the scriptures. And um, yes, he was uh, enthusiastic But um, so Paul, he continued, the gospel continued to be shared there under those three whilst he went to Jerusalem. So he couldn't stay. They wanted him to stay. He couldn't stay, but he left people to look after the Christian work, the fledgling Christian work there. And he went on his way. Uh, But John, we know that he he did come back to the city of Ephesus on his third missionary journey. And um, he continued to minister. What exactly did Paul find when he returned back to Ephesus on his third missionary journey. Reading on from where you read, Gail, uh, in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 and 2, and I'm reading from the New King James Bible, and it says, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Oh, wow. Okay. So so here um, the work had been given to Apollos, to Aquila and, and to Priscilla. But there were many things where Christianity was beginning. And there was no foundational work. And here they were laying the foundation work. Yeah, that's some pretty serious gaps, not knowing Mm. of the existence of the Holy Spirit. That's pretty foundational to who God is. Absolutely. And so uh, he decided to spend more time there and provide the, the, uh, the needed solid theology foundation uh, to the church. So we're going to have an interesting quarter <laughs> learning how Paul planted a church and what people got to know as they became Christian. So I imagine it would have taken some time for Paul to minister to to grow the church in this area. How long, Gail, exactly did Paul spend ministering here in the city of Ephesus? Well, it tells us in the book of Acts that he actually spent uh, in in Acts chapter 20 and verse um, 
31, it tells us that he actually spent um, three years there and uh, that his ministry had a far-reaching effect because if you go back um, to the, the previous chapter in chapter 19 and verse 10, it tells us there that, um, that basically all who dwelt in Asia had heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Gentiles. Wow, that, that is a very significant description. All yes. who dwelt in Asia Minor heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's, that's, some, that's, a, that's a pretty uh, amazing description of the results of Paul's ministry. Uh, one of the things that happened while Paul was ministering in Ephesus, a particular event happened that led to, I guess, the region having reverence for God. Uh, what, what was one of those events, John? Well, once again, we come back to Acts chapter 19 and here Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, uh, records um, some troubling events. Verse 13, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preached. And also there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? <laughs> then the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them, overpowering them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known, surprise, surprise, both to all the Jews and the Greeks dwelling in Ephesus and fear fell upon them all and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Don't mess with the name of Jesus. Yeah. Because even the devils recognize the name of Jesus. Yeah, that's a very peculiar event, isn't it? Mm. Uh, you know, these Jewish exorcists coming in, trying to... Uh, cast out demons, and then they, they, didn't, they get a, got a bit more than what they bargained for. Yes. <laughs> but Paul, of course, had a happy knack of doing that wherever he went. He was able to, to, to generate ad, advertising. Mm. Yeah. And being on the crossroads in Ephesus, that news went everywhere. Yes. And by ship it went everywhere because they had built a channel into Ephesus so the ships could come in there. And from there, of course, it was spread all over the, the, uh, the regions beyond, really. Well, we, we know that this event didn't just have an impact on the unbelievers, right? It says there that they were awestruck. They, uh, you know, they, they reverence for, for the name of Jesus. Um, but it what didn't just impact the non-believers. It also had a very significant impact on those that were already believers. Uh, how did it impact them, Gail? Well, just following on from uh, where John has read there in verse 18 to 20 of chapter 19, it says, And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. So, yes, here um, the believers, they came under conviction. So obviously, although they had accepted Christ, there appears they must have been some type of lapse in their 
in, in their spiritual walk. Perhaps they'd gone back to their occult practices in some way and were straddling, but here they're under deep conviction. So the church is brought through this heart-searching experience because of the name of Jesus being magnified. And um, thus with the conviction, they then make their confession and repentance um, before God. And uh, also, as we read, there's some who had practiced magic publicly uh, they burnt their expensive books, mm. which obviously was worth millions of dollars, I would imagine, compared to the, it says 50,000 silver coins mm. in the Bible. So that's a lot of money, Absolutely. I would imagine, to just burn um, in books. And with the wider residents of the city, here too, as has been said on the crossroads and the people in the city, everyone is being influenced by this mighty miracle of God's name being glorified. Yes, well, this, this uh, 50,000 coins, silver coins, uh, with a silver coin corresponding to a day's wages, uh, in today's setting, if, if you allow for maybe around $160 for a day's wage, uh, this amounts to approximately $8 million. So this is a very significant amount of money. When they all come together, they pull their resources, these books that they've, these magic books that they've been using, this is a lot of money. And John, I want to ask you the question, what does this burning of these books, uh, which accounted for a lot of money, what does this t- uh, signify about the decision that they made, even with that such large an expense that it was? Blair, when you come to the book of Revelation, chapter 21 and verse 8, it says here about the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers and idolaters and all liars that shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And so here Revelation explains how that when they burned all these things here, which cost so much money, it affected all of them. And and this is where it's a call of total commitment. Mm. You don't hang on to little bits. You have to get rid of it all. It's either all for Jesus or all for whatever God you want to follow. And so you can't serve God in part of your life and then leave the other parts unaffected. The gospel changes the whole person. Wow. And that's that's really a, a call for, as you say, total commitment and there's all of those things that they formerly loved, they had to, to do away with mm. and, and, and worship God and Him alone. And we see these sorts of calls all throughout Scripture, right? Uh, calls to turn away from your foreign gods and these other things and, and wholeheartedly serve the Lord. Uh, well, this, this three-year mission trip or, or um, uh, time that Paul spent here in, this, in Ephesus finished up eventually. And, uh, and he moved on and continued his journey. Uh, and while he was in Miletus, he actually called for all of the elders of the Ephesian church to come and to give them an exhortation, to give them a, uh, a message to take to heart. Um, Gail, what was his burden for the church leaders at this time? Mm. Well, just before I read Acts 20, 
27 to 32, in verse 25, it tells, Paul says um, that they will see my face no more. So he didn't expect that he was going to come back this way again. And um, so he, he has a real burden. And reading here in verse 27 to 32, it says, For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So Paul here exhorted the believers to um, to be faithful shepherds of the flock. And he was an apt example. Mm. He just loved those people. And he's saying this with tears and he has a real burden for their souls and for the work. And uh, he had set that watchfulness. He was an example of watchfulness, I should say. Mm. Um, This the church that has been purchased with the blood of Jesus. Mm. And he wasn't. he, he didn't mince, he didn't keep things away from the people. He told them the truth. Yeah. Even if it was unpopular, um, he preached the whole counsel of God. The Bible I, I says. love that text. I love that text yes. where it says, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. I think that's, you know, there's some powerful lessons in, in that for us today. Absolutely. He, and, and judgment would have been part of that. Um, but he, he cared for them that not one would not be there with with their flock, with with their church, with their people on that day when he would be reunited with them because he also believed in the second coming. So this was, although it was the end of this time, perhaps that he would see them again, he looked forward by faith mm. to when he would see them with their flock. Well, th- this whole idea of preaching the whole counsel of God, um, you know, in love, sharing the truth in love, this is a very important lesson, not only for those church believers in Ephesus, but also for us today. Uh, John, why is this such an important lesson for us to remember today? You've got to remember that there are those who are called to ministerial preaching. But here Paul is actually talking to the church members mm-hmm. at Ephesus. And then he had with him a uh, people that were like disciples. And one of them was Timothy. There was a a father and a son relationship between Paul and Timothy. And he wrote to Timothy. And here in chapter four of second Timothy, starting from verse two, here he gives counsel to Timothy and he says, Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. In other words, it doesn't matter where you are or when you, you be ready. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Does that sound like 2023? (laughs) Oh boy. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears that will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth 
and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful and all things endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. So we are called to present the word of God with courage. When others are failing, we are the ones that have to be the faithful evangelist for Christ. And here, the Ephesians didn't realize just how rich they were in spiritual things that they could so easily share with others. Mm. And we can be a blessing to others. Mm. Mm. Yeah, wow, what a, what a powerful and important lesson. Uh, we know that Paul spent, you know, much of the span of time that Paul spent here in in his ministry to the Ephesian church that we've just kind of read and touched on, uh, Bible scholars and historians have put together a tentative timeline of these sorts of events and how, you know, what the times it spanned. Uh, Gail, can you give us a, a rough tentative timeline that, that we see about the events we've been talking about? Yes, certainly. Uh, well, Paul's initial brief visit to Ephesus that we began with in Acts chapter 18 would appear, it would have been around A.D. Um, 52. And then in AD, from AD 53 to AD 56 was Paul's three-year ministry in Ephesus, which we looked at a little there as we were reading in Acts chapter 19. And then we move on to Acts um, chapter 20, and we get Paul's ministry with the elders there in Miletus, uh, his final address there to them. And then in AD 62, it is believed that under um, confinement in Rome, that he actually wrote the book of Ephesians. But he also wrote other books there. He wrote the book of Colossians and Philemon and uh, Philippians is considered Mm. to have been written there too. When you think in AD 62, he did that and his life actually was cut short in AD 68. Yeah, wow. He packed a lot into his life, didn't he? He certainly did. (laughs) In in those missionary journeys and those letters that he wrote. Um, This this letter to the book, uh, to the Church of Ephesians in the book of Ephesians uh, is a very powerful book to study. And this is going to be the content of our next series of Bible study lessons. Uh, But I just want to spend some time now and I'm going to ask you, John, uh, just to set us up for the study of this this book. Now we're going to turn our attention to Ephesians. What is going on in Ephesians that prompts Paul to write the letter in the first place? And Paul here, he is really reminding them of what happened when he was ministering to them. And as a result, we have some real wording that's used in Ephesus now. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1, starting from verse 9, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Mm. And here is the, the, the message of Christ becoming central now to what the Ephesians were doing. They needed to remember that what was happening with them on earth, God was doing something in heaven as well. And so uh, Paul tried to awaken the, uh, the believers in uh, Ephesus of their full purpose and also the privileges yes. that you have when you become a follower of Christ. Amen. Amen. You know, and I think as he goes about this 
process of trying to awaken the Ephesian church up to these privileges and blessings, uh, he uses several biblical metaphors to try to communicate to them about their place in the church of God. Gail, what are some of these metaphors? Yes, well, Paul teaches um, them, the believers, that they make up the body of Christ. He calls them the body of Christ there in Ephesians 1. Um, he, he demonstrates their devotion to Christ and their unity with each other, that they are a living temple and Christ is a chief cornerstone. But we're all fit together there, built through the sacrifice of Christ on Calvary in which God is worshipped and we worship him. He's the, the head. Um, they are the bride of Christ. He's paid the bride price. He's coming back to take his bride, the church, and they're to look forward to this grand marriage ceremony uh, when the bridegroom will come and claim his own. And finally, they're the army of Christ and they put on the armor of God, which wage because the church is being attacked. Mm. So um, they need to combat those forces of darkness and put on the armor of God's and God's strength will be with them as they look forward to Christ's return. They will be victorious. I mean, these are some powerful metaphors and there's so much. I mean, we could do a whole lesson just unpacking just these metaphors, right? And these are metaphors that are used uh, throughout Scripture. Um, But I want to ask you, Pastor John, um, looking at the book of Ephesians, how does Paul start and finish this book? And and, And what does this tell us about his burden that Paul has for the church in Ephesians? Fortunately, the book has six chapters. The first three deal with the beliefs of God. And the last three deal with the walk. In other words, what does your belief transfer uh, into? And so here in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You will work with peace in your heart. And then when you go to chapter six, which remember is in the walk section of the book, Ephesians chapter six, verse 21 and 24, but that you also may know my affairs and how I'm doing Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister, In the Lord will make all things known to you whom I have sent to you for this very purpose that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren, love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And and so here we have the mission and the ministry Mm. of the book. Wow. So Paul's really trying to communicate to the believers that if the, you know, by putting their faith and their trust in God, in Jesus, that they'll have that peace and that security that comes from relationship with him. Um, I want to ask you, Gail, uh, how does Paul announce the theme of his letter here in the book of Ephesians? Well, there in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, which John read just before, we find that Paul sets forth a, a vision of, of God's Christ-centered plan um, for the fullness of time and the church, uh, the church's role in it. And um, God has acted in Christ. It's all unity in Christ, mm. uh, unity of person, unity of family, unity of church, unity of race, 
in Christ all the way through the scriptures here in the book of Ephesians. Believers are called to act in harmony and uh, with the divine plan, signaling to the evil powers that God's ultimate purpose will prevail and is underway right now. Mm. God will win. Wow. And, and we see that all throughout the rest of the book of Ephesians. Uh, this phrase, in Christ, is used over 30 times as the theme of Christ comes out again and again and again. And we see that Paul continually points to this to direct the believers back to a faith in him. Well, thank you so much for studying. That's all that we have time for today. Uh, Jesus is the answer to all the problems in the world today. As a renewed focus on Jesus's finished work of redemption brought comfort to the believers in Ephesus, so too resting in his grace can bring peace to us today. In response to all that Christ has done, believers are called to live a life of total commitment to Him. Won't you commit yourself fully to Him today? We're glad that you joined us today on Let God Speak. If you would like to watch this program again or any past programs, go to our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can download teacher's notes there also. You can email us at lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Please join us again next time. God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.